if we've learned anything from our time spent in the Japanese food section of the international grocery store, that was last week's episode. Be sure to go back and listen to at least the story portion off the top if you skipped it. It's that Japanese foods look really cool. Besides the snack foods with the cutesy characters and bright colored packaging to show off the quirky flavors and fun shapes inside, think about it. Sushi. When's the last time you ate sushi without taking a picture of it first? Or ramen, the beautiful noodle soup that looks like food meets underwater nature photography. Even though the type of hibachi grills with their onion volcanoes and knife throwing tricks is kind of more what you'd call an American interpretation of Japanese cooking, it has its roots in the country's cuisine and if you don't take a picture of the chef tossing shrimp into your cousin's mouth, did you even go to Benihana? While there are many mouth-watering, delicious exceptions to this rule, I wouldn't exactly call sandwiches a naturally photogenic food, especially ones made between two slices of white bread. But of course, when given the Japanese treatment, they're beautiful. Instead of sitting flat on a plate, they're often wrapped so you can see the sides of them, like the layers, the bread, the filling, the other slice of bread, looking all striped and stratified and bright. They're called sandos. Gosh, even the name sounds cooler. And instead of just meats, veggies, cheeses, they're also known for colorful fruit and cream varieties that work as a dessert, a snack, or Instagram fodder for days. And luckily for us here, they're just the latest Japanese food trend making their way to St. Louis. Today on Abby Eats St. Louis, we're a land o' sandos. <laughs> I don't know, I had to say it. We'll talk to the owner of one popular spot that only opened because of all the 2020 madness. And I'm a planner. Here's the thing. It's like, I really, I mean, like, oh, my so 2020 job. was like a whole trigger year for you. Then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm barely hanging on. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I mean, yeah, my last, my job at booking was like a strategic planner. And so, like, I was just like, uh, there's no plan. We're just doing it. Like, okay, I guess we're just doing this thing. <laughs> Find out why the St. Louis Asian food scene is so hot right now. And when it comes to good grub, we're all in this together. Plus your food news, a deep dive on the latest on mask mandates and guidance, and your weekend planner. Not long ago, you might have asked a St. Louisan to meet up for Sandos and they would just think you were using a V-cute abreve for sandwich. But now you've got a few options. One of them is Sando Shack which is really a truck, which was really actually plan B for Amy Guo and her husband, Dan. It's been crazy, honestly. So it's, what, July right now? One year ago, July 2020, is when Dan, my husband, and I actually just moved to St. Louis from Seattle. Um, I'm originally from Chesterfield, um, so I, I know this area kind of well, but I just haven't been back um, to St. Louis since, uh, like, 10 plus years ago so and what brought you back to st louis um this actually i mean not sando shop particularly but we uh moved back here because we're opening a uh spot in the food hall at the city foundry so we actually um signed with the city foundry a few years back when they started all the development and we're opening up a poke restaurant inside the that food hall um so that has been a working project and so last year because of the pandemic I had the opportunity to work from home um, at my previous company so 
we took the opportunity and we're like, you know what, let's make the move now while I'm still working from home. And, you know, the city foundry will probably be opening soon. So we decided to uh, just take the jump and move back last year. So once we got back here um, last July, obviously the city foundry said that, you know, there's going to be another delay because of COVID and construction delays and things like that. So uh, that was put on hold. And uh, meanwhile, when that was put on hold, I also got laid off from my job. And what kind of Um, job was that, by the way? So I was in corporate marketing for booking.com. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense to possibly be a (laughs) problem. Yeah. Yeah, That happened uh, like three months after we moved here. And then, you know, the city founders said, we're not opening either. (laughs) So that pretty much left my husband and I in a position where we're like, we got to do something. They have a few friends in the area in the restaurant business, including the owners of Saigon Cafe, Vietnamese food in the Central West End. Her husband is the chef in the duo. He's cooked all over the place in different types of restaurants, but had grown especially fond of Asian cuisine. We were looking at the 7-Eleven sandos that they serve in Japan. So they usually have these cute little sandwiches that are prepackaged. And they are made on uh, Japanese milk bread, and they have different fillings inside. They can be, like, savory or sweet. Um, And then they cut that very nicely without the crust on the bread, and then they package that, and then they put it in the fridge. And these are usually found in convenience stores in Japan. So we love that. I mean, it just seems super simple, super easy, super clean, and really delicious. Um, the more we did play around with it, though, is that we do also love katsu style. Katsu is basically Japanese fried cutlets, usually chicken, sometimes pork or vegetables. They're pounded into thin patties and coated in panko breadcrumbs, so it's lightly crunchy. They can be eaten plain, in rice bowls, or of course, in a sando. And that's exactly what Amy and Dan decided they wanted to be the focal point on their menu. Like, it's so great in the sense that, like, you do really feel that community a little bit, you know, like it's like in Chicago and Seattle, there's more of just, you know, I don't know you, we're going to be competitors here. It's more like, let's help each other out. Cause we are smaller, you know? Yeah. So, um, anyway, so we kind of got started in the sense that like, we just started doing these pop-ups at, um, like Saigon cafe was the main one that we were doing them at because he was closed on Sundays. So we're like, perfect. We'll use your shop. We'll use your kitchen and we will start something. So we honestly, we just took it super slow in the beginning. Like once a week we would do these pop-ups and then people started really liking the food and taking to it. And they were like, we want more. And then we were like, okay, what if we just dive in and get a food truck? So We um, got the food truck in January this year and then started actual operations and service in April. The city foundry will open on August 11th, when their poke restaurant will finally be in full operation. Amy says they're still not quite sure if they'll be keeping Sando Shack going or not once that begins. It is tempting, though. One of the reasons they wanted to start a poke place around here is because they see a market for it, an opportunity. In our world of Midwest mall food court Japanese food and grocery store sushi, she loves being able to introduce something a little different in her hometown. What are your memories of Asian food growing up in St. Louis? 
Um, definitely not a lot of it. And when people are like, do you want to go get Asian food or Chinese food? Um, it would just be like a Hunan Express down the street. <laughs> um, I actually, you know, I, I grew up in Chesterfield, so the, there's that Hunan Express right next to that bowling alley. I don't know if you know it, but we went there a lot. I mean, and it's, it's good food, you know, it's just like very, um, takeout style Chinese food. Right. So definitely growing up, I, I don't feel like there were a lot of options and, to be fair, you know, I was out in the suburbs and I was a kid, so it wasn't like I was driving around the city looking for very authentic Asian food. Um, but even with my parents, so my parents, uh, when I was growing up, they owned a Chinese restaurant. It was like a little, one of those like little strip mall kind of thingies. And there was like a, I remember there was like a pizza place and then like a subway. I don't know. But <laughs> They owned a Chinese restaurant there, but honestly, like, and they owned that for many years, but it was, again, like, one of those takeout styles, like, super quick, chicken fried rice, egg rolls, crab rangoon, things like that. So, I did grow up eating Chinese fast food because of their restaurant, but in no means, like, we would call that very authentic Asian food, you know, because it's just um, very common American Chinese uh, fast food. So I would definitely say I was a little scared when I was moving back here because I was pretty spoiled in Seattle with all the diversity of Asian cuisine. Um, so when I moved back here, I was like, oh, man, there's not going to be a lot of variety. Like, there's not a lot of good Asian places. But honestly, I'm, like, really pleasantly surprised since I moved back. I mean, there's quite a few good places. Like, I mean, Saigon Cafe is one of the examples, you know, where there's a lot of these um, – places that I haven't been to before that are pretty authentic and I think we're getting there you know there's new places that are popping up um and so uh yeah so to me there wasn't a lot of variety when I was growing up but I think that we're getting there from the looks of it having that background in the food world with your family um you know being a chinese american did you ever struggle or have any kind of concern over opening a japanese concept um i didn't um honestly it, it was something that you know, so my background, I'm not in the restaurant industry at all. So it wasn't even like, <clears throat> it wasn't even like, oh, I, sh I have some concerns opening up a Japanese place. It was more like I have concerns opening up a restaurant, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So at, at that point for me, like my husband felt pretty confident because he's been in the restaurant industry. I just knew my focus was going to be on the business side, mm. but anything restaurant wise. Um, yeah, I had a lot of concerns, so I'm really just trying to learn as I go. But, um, to answer your question about the Japanese, it's tricky, right? Because it's like, I don't want to take the authenticity away from Japanese cuisine and I don't want to own any part of the fact that, you know, like I'm not Japanese, so I don't want to own that. I know this culture, you know, I know it so well. I don't want to own any of that. You know, I'm very upfront with like my background and I'm pretty proud of it. So mm -hmm. um, I don't have concerns in the sense that like we love this cuisine and our our idea is to do Japanese inspired, you know, it's not going to be your authentic 7-Eleven, um, 
convenience store sandos in japan they're not like that um so we put our own twist to our our sandwiches um and then the ingredients that we use are all very uh asian and japanese um ingredients so we but we do put our own twist to the menu so um you know and if people do ask me i answer the best way i can about how what i've learned in Japanese cuisine and Japanese culture. And so I'll do my best in that sense. Um, I won't own anything, you know, like, oh, you know, in my culture, da 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 da, like things like that. Um, but for the most part, I think it's okay. You know, like I think we're learning as we go too. Um, I think Dan does a very good job at researching and developing his recipes. Um, and again, it's very Japanese inspired. So um, I think that, yeah, I think it's, I think it's okay. And so, when you know when you're when pe- you hear about people interested in expanding their palates, or you return to a St. Louis in which something like Sando Shack is a lot more accepted, and people get excited about it, people are more willing to try it. Um, I don't know. I guess that's just got to make you feel good, yeah. Yeah, it makes me so excited, honestly. So, like, you know, one of your questions before was like, you know, growing up with. Um, growing up, you know, what was my sense of Chinese cuisine or Asian cuisine, right? And, like, my answer was, like, there was lack of it. Another side of it is that, like, I don't feel like people were really understanding or accepting of it, um, let alone being even excited about it. Like, you know, you would get a lot of questions like, ew, what's that? That's gross. That looks weird. I I love how people are really expanding their palates and they're, you know, they're just trying to educate themselves. Um, and it's beyond like trying it. it. They're really asking questions. You know, they're like, how do you pronounce this? I want to make sure I pronounce it correctly. Where did this come from? What does this mean? Um, how did you guys decide to mix this ingredient with this ingredient? Or, you know, exactly like kind of some of the questions that you're asking, but from customers, which is so great. And, <laughs> and like I said, like, you know, I'm, I'm not Japanese, but I'm going to do the best that I, I can to answer these questions. But along along with answering these questions, it's already showing me that other people are willing to educate themselves and learn about other cuisines and cultures. And honestly, beyond food, like that's really what we need right now. All right, back in the booth now. Gosh, I'm not still, I'm still not tired of it, Dory. Good to look across the table to you. So I think it's interesting um, about Sando Shack and thinking about it, a lot of other Asian-inspired, Asian-infused, um, just straight up, you know, Asian cuisine restaurants in the St. Louis area are not necessarily uh, the the people who run it, the chefs, the owners might not necessarily be of the nationality whose cuisine is being celebrated there. Yep. And I think as long as people are doing it respectfully, it's cool to see what they're doing in the St. Louis area and how we can have this Midwest Asian food. It's cool. And it's done in appreciation and celebration of those cultures. And it's tasty. Yes. Which is important. <laughs> All right, Dory. So we, um, you know, as always, you gathered some good food news and a weekend planner for us. And we kind of have a big news story here that we're going to try to walk our way through. Um, keeping in mind, folks, that we are recording this uh, just before noon on Wednesday, July 28th, 2021. (laughs) 
feel like it's an important timestamp just because things are changing pretty quickly and also our understanding of things is changing pretty quickly. But uh, we just wanted to kind of let you guys know what we know now about these mask mandates in the city of St. Louis and St. Louis County. Yes, so this is now in effect in the city and county. Everyone five and older needs to wear a mask in indoor public places and on public transportation, even if you're vaccinated. That's Mm -hmm. an important thing there. This mandate also encourages people to wear masks outside in groups if you don't know everyone's vaccination status. There are a couple exceptions here if you're seated in a restaurant or bar and actively eating or drinking. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And this came out on Friday, so the podcast last week was already out, but this also goes along with the newest CDC guidance. CDC guidance, yeah. So that was announced asking people to mask up indoors in parts of the U.S. where the Delta variant is surging. So we've been talking about it for over a month now in Missouri and in the St. Louis area. That pretty much includes the entire state. So even though this mask mandate is only in the city and county, the CDC guidance suggests that people everywhere in the St. Louis area should mask up indoors. And this also, the guidance also included masking up for everyone inside schools. So that's yeah. a big update. That is, that is a really big thing. And so we're using the word mandate here. Um, and we know that that's something that people don't like hearing the word mandate. And often when you think mandate, you also think about those other restrictions that we saw. You're thinking, well, wait a minute, capacity. What hours am I going to be able to go eat or drink at a restaurant? Um, Those kind of things. Are we going to have to see social distancing between tables and whatnot? None of that is part of either of these orders from the city or the county. That's really, really important to clarify because I think people are, um, you know, just – they're they're thinking of them as one and the same and they are not at this point. The other thing is last night – so, again – Tuesday night at the St. Louis County Council meeting, I was there when the county council voted to overturn this mandate. Mm -hmm. So here's what's a little bit confusing about that. Uh, One of the councilmen put out, he submitted for a vote repealing this mandate because he says that it was not done properly. We do have a new law in the state of Missouri that says you can only issue certain health orders that restrict business uh, um, opening and operating you have to go through a certain process. And Councilman Fitch was like, you didn't do that. And it could only last for so long. Could only last for so long while the state is under under a um, state of emergency, which the state of Missouri is still in a state of emergency, by the way, officially as declared by the governor, uh, at least through August. And they were taking issue with the process of this. Of course, you had other um, council members who straight up said they didn't like the idea of a face mandate or, you know, a mandate mask of mandate, mask yeah. mandate. Oh, yeah, they for liberty. One of them literally said as he voted on this. Um, and there were others who said that they wanted to focus on the vaccines and things like that. So last night they voted it down. So technically, yes, the county council did vote to repeal this mask mandate. Mm-hmm. However, the reason it's still murky And the reason the county executive says it still stands is because he is challenging whether or not the county council actually has authority over something like this because he says the masks do not actually, it doesn't fall under this order because it does not impact the operating or owning, or I'm sorry, opening of a business. Right. So it's not something that impacts capacity, time, social distancing, those kinds of things. And so that's why he says it doesn't fall into that. Um, So 
right now, to be honest, we know that it's confusing. Like we yes. know that legally it's a little bit unclear to what extent there is a true mandate. And by the way, something that was, you know, discussed at the meeting last night was whose responsibility is it? Is this putting this on small businesses Mm -hmm. to have to enforce this? And kind of, yeah, is what we were understanding about this is that it's up to businesses to ask people to wear masks into their place of business. Mm -hmm. It's also up to individuals, though, to wear a mask when they walk in. And so uh, the the teeth on this is, you know, on that, it's debatable. But as it stands right now, Whatever the order is, the CDC says that that's what you should be doing Yes, when you walk into a place. Um, and I know that a lot of these small businesses, speaking of that, have some have some thoughts on what, what's happening right now. Yeah, so I found this from Gazellig, which is a, a beer shop in the Grove. Um, great business. I love going there all the time and just picking up random beers and such. But they had a pretty strong stance that they posted on Instagram I'll kind of read it here for you. It says, quote, once again, we can't have nice things because some of y'all have either been way too selfish or way too dumb. But now we have to go back to wearing masks because of you. Again, this is all of their words. Um, They said that the ironic thing is that most of you were the ones complaining about the mask over the last year. Oh, well, either way, they said no mask, no entry, period, into their business. They said, keep this anti-vax stuff up. You sub the word <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and we'll have to adjust our policies even further. They're already discussing it. Discussing it. Delete, unfollow. We don't care. You are ruining things for the rest of us. And we are fed up. I think that's a sentiment said very strongly by Gazellig, but probably. And shared by a lot of others. I literally saw that same thought. Yes. Shared. And, but yes, thought and felt by probably a lot of other businesses trying to bend one way or the other with the mandates and the guidance, and we're all trying to keep up with it. But really, it's just a very simple thing. Wear a mask. You're not being restricted in other ways. Um, And even when you're inside an establishment, you're able to take it off while you eat and drink. It's just a very simple thing. And, And really, if you think about it, the mandate only applies to people who've been vaccinated because if you were unvaccinated, you were supposed to be you wearing You were supposed to be wearing it anyway. Mask anyway. So great point. It, it's just kind of I feel their frustration here yeah. and I see that and I I understand it completely because they're just trying to do what's right and what's healthy and safe for everybody. And you don't you just don't need that extra frustration from people who are just not wanting to put a mask on. It's a numbers game at this point. And while the vaccine is Still proving pretty strong against the variants and whatnot. One of the reasons why, and I think it's worth clarifying here, that people are at being asked to mask up even if they are vaccinated. One, it's very hard to police who is and who is not vaccinated. So it's kind of like when you walk into, the, your mm-hmm. teacher walks into the classroom and everybody's loud and shouting, it's hard to tell who. Everybody <laughs> loses recess. You know, that's that's how it works. But then also a lot of it's, it is this numbers game where even if you're vaccinated, you're 90% perfect, affected, mm-hmm. protected rather. But if you're surrounded by, if you keep getting pummeled by people who are COVID positive, the chances of you getting sick, even if it's a mild infection, are higher. And you can still potentially pass that to somebody. And it, it, it's a numbers game, too. And, and with the Delta variant, part of the CDC guidance noted that the variant is seems to be more prevalent in people who are vaccinated. It is passing easier between them. Mm-hmm. And with other variants, the rate of the infection was lower, but with the Delta variant, it's been fairly equal between those who are vaccinated or unvaccinated. So this is a strong variant 
it's passing very fast and it's been devastating. We've already seen for parts of our yeah. state. If you are upset about a local business having to enforce something like this and you think that it's not fair to the employees to have to ask you to wear a mask, maybe don't make a mask you. Maybe just do it. And that way, whatever it takes, you don't run that business. And so just be respectful, be polite, just be respectful and kind to other folks. Wash your hands, wear your mask, social distance, all the things that we knew we needed to be doing before we had a vaccine still are in place as well if mm-hmm. you are not vaccinated. So if you really care about the food and restaurant scene in the St. <laughs> Louis area, which we think you do since you're listening to this, um, the the baseline ask is to just be respectful and keep following on KSDK.com, by the way, because Dora, I know you guys on the web team have been super busy just keeping that very updated with the yes. latest. And we are very aware that people are probably confused about all the ins and outs and ups and downs of this. So we're going to keep following and tracking and talking to leaders about what does this mean and where are we going from here? Absolutely. All right. So another story that I know you are sniffing into, you are like putting your <laughs> I-team pants on and trying to figure this one out. Yeah, this one's still a mystery to me though. So there was a post on the Bluewood Brewing social media pages that said Max Local Eats will no longer operate in their Benton Park location after August 3rd, which is, by the way, this upcoming Tuesday. Mm -hmm. So very fast there. They said that we sincerely wish the best for Max Local Eats employees as they have continually served their customers with exceptional service. So Max is moving, at least temporarily closing. We don't quite know because Max has been mum on this. I just checked their social media before we came back here into the booth. No updates from them other than I think they posted a link to a Sauce article that was just written yesterday. If you read that, it mentioned how when they moved into Bluewood about two years ago, that they already felt like they were outgrowing the space then. So maybe Max is going to be moving to their own bigger space soon. And I mean, they, if you, all you had to do in the past year when they were doing takeout service is just drive by and see that mm-hmm. line. So it wouldn't be hard to tell, but I mean, people are really going to be wanting to know where they're moving next. I know People being one Dory almost yes. also. So we're going to keep we're going to keep up on that one because that's very interesting. And hopefully that means that there's not too much of a pause in service for for them or their employees exactly. or us hungry people. Yes. <laughs> and another thing, um, you know, it's kind of the time of year where, yes, it's hot, but you also want to spend a lot of time outside and enjoying things. And I know one place you go in Missouri for that is wine country. So Dory, what's the latest with all what's happening in Augusta? Yeah, the Hoffmans, the family that's been basically buying up all of Augusta, they bought another 50 acres with plans to build a five-star hotel. So this hotel was part of their big $100 million investment plan. So now we know a little bit more about where that's going to be and what it's going to look like. It'll be next to one one of their vineyards off of Highway 94. They plan to have a wedding venue, a spa, a gym, yoga studio, a couple pools, walking paths, a lounge, and a restaurant. It, it is a huge property, and I saw some of the renderings for it. It looks gorgeous, uh, and it'll be a, just a nice property where you can kind of get outside, tour around, walk around the property. Um, ex- construction is expected to begin this fall. It's going to take about a year and a half, but just another huge element of this massive plan to turn Augusta into the next Napa I think it'll be a huge, nice addition there. Um, Definitely 
kind of ups the the neighborhood a little bit with a five star hotel. Is, five I mean, star hotel. I'm would, trying to think if I've ever stayed in a five star hotel. Would that be like a Ritz kind of? It has to be. Yeah. yeah, I don't think I've ever stayed in one. It also makes me. Uh, I think we might have to expense one and just like check it out for the podcast sake, for research maybe sake, maybe uh, de- spa day. <laughs> um, but I also think it's interesting because he keeps saying he wants this to be like an international destination, and lodging is a big part of that. Every time I hear about this, though, I'm just kind of like, when's he going to start working on the St. Louis airport? Like, when's he going to start, like, <laughs> investing something in there or, like, you know, donating a whole terminal or something uh-huh. like that? I just think that we we can't not see some of this creeping toward has to. downtown St. Louis eventually. Mm-hmm. But very cool. I, I am into that. I would stay at a five-star hotel this week. I would totally. I need oh, that. I need next that. Next to a vineyard, yes. Absolutely. Hey, Dory, though, what's the best thing you had to eat this week? So mine is something I drink, and we've talked before oh. about things being more of a, a in-the-moment, a mm-hmm. setting situation. This was definitely that. So the Muni is back. Yay! For the first time in, you know, some ridiculous 18 months yeah. or something like that. So. Uh, my mom and I are season ticket holders, and we were we would go on Monday nights, which happened to be opening night. So we were there, and um, it, it was just it was really nice to be in something like that. That was my first sort of big crowd event, mm-hmm. which felt weird. Yeah. Um, kept my mask on. Yeah. Uh, other people did too, but it was it was kind of emotional in, in ways that I wasn't expecting. So the I think it's the artistic director. He got up at the top and just addressed everybody like, these actors who are about to walk on the stage, they haven't done this in a year and a half. Yeah. They are doing this for the first time in front of all of you. And it was just kind of, it hits you like the reality of everything that we've been through. Yeah. And it was just a really special moment. So to take all of that in, uh, I enjoyed a nice little pink raspberry lemonade from mm. 1220, one of their canned cocktails. But oh, I don't think I've had that one. I hadn't had that one. That's one of their new summer ones. And I thought, oh. I'm going to the Muni. I usually get a canned cocktail at the Muni, so I tried the new one. But the drink was great. The show is great. The atmosphere and just being there in that moment was really special. And the end of the show, too, just felt like the standing ovation. It's just this breath of fresh air. Like, we're back in a way, but still different because people were still wearing masks I was wearing my mask yeah yeah Yeah. I like that choice of drink seems very appropriate because it's something that's like new but familiar yeah you know something a little sweet with that and the Muni is such an institution and not just the St. Louis but in the theater world Mm -hmm. it's been around for over a hundred years and to see them be able to come back like that and for you to be there for that. That's awesome. It was fun. It was special. And I'm so looking forward to the rest of the season. I can't wait. Yeah. I want to go see Chicago. I need I'm to get tickets for that. So excited for Chicago. That one's going to be good. Mine is similar, Dory. Um, the whole like vibe thing. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's not what you eat, but how you eat it. Mm-hmm. And this past weekend, I feel like we've been having a lot of really rainy weekends. Yes. Like <laughs> it's not been super great for just hanging out by the pool. And so I have some good friends who for much of the last year, it's been, you know, out hanging out outside and like from a distance and whatnot. But this time it was come on over, bring your toddlers, jump in the pool and like let your 
four-year-old climb all over my back while we shoot water guns and we hung out in the morning um, before it got too, too hot on Saturday in the pool and got a bunch of Pharaoh's donuts um, to fuel up the kids because I'm just like, you know, some sugar. They're coming over to Aunt Abby's house. You get yourself (laughs) some donuts and jump in the pool and they're really good. They're just like, I used to eat a lot of donuts when I worked in the morning show Mm -hmm. and so I kind of haven't had them in a while. So maybe that's part of it too, but just getting the classic cake donuts. They're super cheap. Get a dozen of them for like 10 bucks pretty much. And it's just, they're really the fresh tasting, which is so Mm -hmm. good. And now they have that second location in the central West end, which is close to me. And so that was fantastic. And they're just like, um, my friend's middle child, who's like two wanted another one. And so he really liked it, but they're, they're just really, really good classic donuts that if you're thinking about treating yourself on a Saturday morning, do it. And if you can do it with friends. Yes. Fun at the pool. Maybe that'll be my weekend this weekend. I don't know yet, but we do have a couple items we want to let you know about, about this last weekend of July slash first weekend of August. My goodness. Mm -hmm. I think people are kind of taking a breather right now because it's about to get into that busy back to school weekends and stuff like that. So not a ton to let you know about. But one thing that does sound kind of fun is the balloon glow in Eureka. So this is happening on Saturday where they're going to have not just food, not just fun, not just fireworks, but that balloon glow at Brookdale Farms in Eureka. The cost will be by car. Um, if you want to buy your tickets early online, those are 25 bucks, or you could spend $30 at the event. Um, Brookdale Farms is a nice, pretty location out there. I was there mm-hmm. for a news event earlier this year. Um, it is pretty, uh, and hopefully if it's something that you want to, you know, get together with some friends, make sure you're in your bubble or social distance from people or, you know, wear a mask, even if you're in a big crowd outside, but Really, the focus is on those balloons, and I just love a hot air balloon, man. They're so cool. Those kind of events are so fun. I haven't done the uh, Forest Park one in a very long time. I keep being out of town for it, I feel like, or busy or something. Yeah, same here. But, you know, anytime there's a big balloon event like that, it's it's super fun and cool. You're just, like, so in awe because it's so big and it's right there. It's so weird. Yeah, Yeah, it's, like, magical (laughs) in some ways. I love it. Yep. All right. Well, if uh, you're looking to stay in the city area Saturday, we've got the Central West End Meet in the Street. This is part of that weekly Streeteries event. But on the last Saturday of the month, there's a little extra fun. They're going to have some family-friendly activities there will be street performers, art demonstrations, music, some interactive interactive games for the kids, and a lot more. Now, this is along with the streeteries, like I said, all out there on Euclid. So you can still participate in the streetery stuff, uh, dine in or dine out on the street there. But then, you know, a little bit of extra entertainment kind of roaming about while you eat on the street. I love that. And then also we cannot forget to mention the Olympics. My goodness, um, it's going to be another crazy weekend watching Team USA compete in all the different events. Make sure you, uh, KSDK.com has a great guide to all the things that you're going to want to be following along with. And with this time difference, I think it's best to just plant yourself in front of the TV all day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Man, it's like if you don't pay attention to the Olympics for a couple hours, you miss so much right now. Yes. It's so, I know you guys have been busy on the digital desk (laughs) and um, just who's who's, who's competing competing, who's not competing, how people are doing. So it's really a make sure you keep following along with that one because it's it's something this year. KSDK.com slash Olympics. We every day we keep track of all the live streams you can watch. So if you do want to 
be up at 2 a.m. watching a swim meet, we can get you covered there. And then also we are also tracking where or when you can watch all the local athletes too. That's my favorite yes. thing that you guys have. Yes. So I if you want to see Tatum in action on the court, we have we can let you know when that's happening. KCK.com slash Olympics. We love it. Go Team USA. Ooh la la. Ooh la la. Ooh la la. Abby St. Louis is a Five on Your Side production. I'm Abby Larico. And I'm Dory Olmos. Please be sure you are subscribed to our podcast. We don't want you ever missing an episode. And we, you know, are not in competition for a bronze, silver, or gold, but we do love that podium spot that is a five-star review. So <laughs> leave us one of those as well. We really appreciate it. And some thoughts on our Instagram. We're at Abby Eats St. Louis. Until next week. Wear your mask when you're asked to. Wash your hands when you think about it. Cheer on the Olympians and seize the plate.